Are you listening to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine on Apple Podcasts? Well, if you are, please make sure that you leave us a review. Now, of course, we would love five stars, but if anything, we want to hear how you are enjoying the show. Now back to A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. We, and we're back. Okay, now we're back. Okay, we got it. We got it. We came prepared and we are ready to do this. Well, with that being said, welcome one and all to another episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. And before I go any further, I definitely want to thank um, Jet, which this season, season six, is fueled by Jet. Many of you are familiar with Jet from Johnson & Johnson Publication Company. And... Um, if you have listened to our 100th episode, you will know that we talked with the president of JET. So huge thank you to them. And also thank you to all the ears that we have. We have 32,000 ears across all streaming platforms. So we're moving and grooving. And spoiler alert, yes, we will be back for season seven. You better believe it. And the guest that we're talking to today has seven plus years of experience. And that's also the number of completion. You know, I had the honor and privilege of meeting this gentleman yonders and yonders ago at Afrotech. And once he said he was from Jersey, I grew up in Jersey. I was like, yeah, this is probably be my brother for life. So on today's show, we have an industry executive as well as an expert who has held marketing uh, or has held a role in marketing, business development and sales. And what I've always admired is individuals that understand what they want to do and then they go after that. So we're going to talk a little bit about their overall journey in terms of switching industries and really pursuing their passion. Outside of that, as a non-technical marketer and no-code developer, they enjoy staying up to date on the latest tech tools as well as softwares and really flexing their skills all around and currently serves as a board member of the All Stars Project Inc., which is a nonprofit focused on after-school development for underserved uh, communities. With that being said, when you think about people that are passionate, career-focused, but also really channel understanding themselves and also the practice of self-care, this individual comes to mind. So with that being said, welcome to a Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Justin. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you think about all the things that you have accomplished to date, and I read your bio, which is really, really long, is there anything that comes to mind instantly? High school. Mm. High school. Why high school? High school. High school is where it all started, right? Okay. High school is when I decided to pursue a career in the space that I'm in right now. Literally from being on the sidelines of the football team, literally not starting varsity, all that time. I was literally just there thinking to myself, like at 16, 17, yo, what do I want to do with my life? Because clearly I ain't going pro, <laughs> you know, <laughs> clearly that's not happening. I'm not getting a D1 scholarship. I'm not, I'm not living that, you know, from the hood to like, you know, to the sports, none of that was happening for me. So yeah. I really sat down and really thought to myself, like, what exactly I want to do? And the whole idea of like getting into marketing really started from just seeing my teammates argue 
on game day about who looked the coolest. I got Nike cleats on. I got Adidas cleats on. I got this. I got that. And at the time, I'm asking myself, what do these major brands got going on to get like inner city kids to argue so passionately about their brands? Wow. Right. And that literally was a domino effect that led me to learn about marketing. Wow. Absolutely. I think beautiful. Um, And also, too, I mean, I think that it goes to show that, you know, your bio and your resume says seven years, but you've clearly been doing this for longer than seven years if the, if you were just simply thinking about it in high school. And I like what you mentioned about those different brands and getting uh, high school students to even argue about it because so much of that is rooted in culture. I see that behind you, you have, um, you know, For the Culture by our good friend, Dr. Marcus Collins, who um, you know, is um, a mutual friend and also somebody that I really look up to. And as I'm reading the book, I'm starting to notice all the things that are missing from culture. If you have to give a dose of anything to the culture and for the culture that you feel like the culture is currently missing, what would you like to give the culture a dose of? Man, you hit me with a loaded question up front. Let me let me definitely think about that one. This is a dose I- of black joy. <laughs> <laughs> People know when they come on this podcast what they are getting. Absolutely right. I think what I probably let me sit on that for a minute. Okay. I really give you a. I really want to give you a, a compelling answer here. I feel yeah. But also one that you feel, you know, and when you think about just the last three years, or you think about culture, and you think about brands and tech. Is there something that you're like, I think we all need a dose of this. It's always interesting, though, because I think people hear the question listening to the podcast. And when they, mm-hmm. when I say it, they draw a blank, they draw a blank. Yeah, everyone does. I, I, honestly, um, I can't help it. If I got to go deep, I'm going to go deep. Please. But honestly, I, th- I think it's it's really purpose. When I really think about it at the end of the day, purpose, because um, what we saw these past few years is that, um, you know, life is really finite, right? Mm-hmm. Here today, gone tomorrow. And yeah. I know that this is a podcast that's really focused on individuals within the creative marketing tech space. But mm-hmm. again, for a lot of us, this is our profession, right? It isn't necessarily who we are as individuals. And I want to say that, that as we continue to move in this world and society, I hope that we continue to realize that we're here for a purpose mm-hmm. and we need to identify our purpose. And hopefully as we continue to meet people in this world and engage in fellowship, that we leave that person better than how we found them. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that you said that. It seems like you have personally um, kind of you know made progress, I guess, in your life to identify your purpose. What methods or tools can you kind of led you to that point? I watch a lot of anime shows, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up, Dragon Ball Z, we all know about Dragon Ball Z. It's like, you know, the staple of anime. Yeah. And I can say that majority of all anime shows, they have a central theme. There's a major obstacle that the protagonist is facing. And through sheer willpower, determination, guts, and all that, they rise to the occasion and they level up to become the best version of themselves. And I think for myself, as I went through natural you know going through the ups and downs of being in my career I learned that going through the challenge that I did early on shaped me into the person I am today yeah the thick skin the perspective that I have the forward thinking that all came as an aftermath 
of me taking what some people call L's, but I considered lessons early on in my career that gave me the perspective to think and move the way I do now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's so, um, I like to have these conversations, especially among us, because there there is somebody listening right now that is looking at that as an L. They are looking at that as a loss, you know what I mean? But it's going to take you now at this stage of your career. I mean, you know, when I first met you, you were, uh, you know, you were a pup, but I mean, you put in some big boy years now, you know, to where now they're starting to listen to someone like you realize that it is a win. So um, I appreciate you bringing that up. So you've reached the point of the show where I have a little game for you. If you happen to be stranded on Mars and you could only take the discography of three music artists with you, which three music artists would you take? Why Mars? <laughs> well, I never let anybody turn the mic on me on the podcast, mm -hmm. but the reason why I say Mars is because it's the unknown. And I think if I make it too mm -hmm. destination based, you're going to pick based on that destination. So Mars, you're on top of Mars, you know, you have got on your, 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 your kicks and they just dangling there. But you, but like I said, if anything, we could focus on the latter. This is black music month and, or it will mm -hmm. be off the end of black music month. But with that being said, if there was three black music artists that you could listen to the entire discography for, which ones would you select? For sure. So off the gate, I'm going with Stevie Wonder. Big I listen to so Big. much. I listen to so much Heavy. Stevie Wonder throughout college and whatnot. And again, I continue just to fall in love with his music. I feel like he has a song for every season of your life. Yeah. Right. That's a heavy crate. And I feel like and I feel like you cannot go wrong with him. That's a heavy crate. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. OK. Pat on the back. Uh, <laughs> outside, of, outside of Stevie. I'd say I've always grew up in the church and I feel as though for me, it wasn't until I became an adult where a lot of the content of gospel music started to resonate with me, right? As far as like, hey, things aren't happening the way I want it to happen. Let me listen to this gospel song to pick me up, to put joy in my face, to put joy in my life. And I feel as though right now, I'm always listening to a gospel song here and there. It's just like natural for me. So I'll probably say if I had to pick one artist, I'd say Kirk Franklin because I feel like Kirk Franklin got enough. He has enough songs to last me my entire voyage on Mars. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say Kirk Franklin. And lastly, again, I mean, y'all could miss me with the whole cancel culture and whatnot. I don't care. My man got bops. Kanye West. That's fair. No, listen, that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Those are those are three heavy crates. So, I mean, you, yeah, you done well. I will take that. Stevie Wonder, Kurt Franklin, and Kanye West. And, um, you know, I think what I really love about uh, particularly all of them is that while they, you know, are certain artists, R&B artists, you know, gospel artists, hip hop artists, the genres that they have been able to cross over is just phenomenal. And I think the same can be said for you within the industry. I think the different things that you've been able to touch from marketing to tech uh, to diving into the music industry. Have you ever had a fear of not knowing a certain category while making those jumps to different places? Absolutely. That's probably the first thing I always thought about while I was in the position to make that transition. 
right? Whether it's from having conversations with certain hiring managers or certain stakeholders that were definitely playing a crucial role in how well I would move into this direction or not. I always thought to myself, like, why you, right? What exactly do you bring to the table? What do you offer? What is unique proposition? All that good stuff. And I feel as though for me to answer that question to someone else, I have to first answer it to myself, yeah. right? Yeah. And I always felt as though like no one's going to be harder on me than me. So by taking the time, taking the due diligence to really answer those hard hitting questions, I always felt more comfortable being able to perform the day of and have those conversations with the right people to know that, hey, I do belong here. Yes, I understand that I may not be the traditional candidate or individual to make the transition here. However, here's why I bring something unique to this space that you're lacking. Yeah. And here's here's why. Yeah. I think you do a good job at doing that. I mean, yes, um, ever since I've known you, I've always felt like you've been harder on yourself than anybody else, you know? Um, even when you sent over your bio, I found it fascinating that you called out that you're a non-technical marketer and no-code developer. What made you put that line in there? Because when people are doing bios, they normally lean away from calling out the skills that they either don't have or how they don't identify. But what made you kind of do that? Yeah, the reason why I wanted to call that out, because I think for me, being in tech for the past few years now, I really wanted to just like call out that there's a whole like, you know, concept of people thinking that by being in tech, you must know how to code you must yeah. know all these things yeah. of that nature and i want to just really call that out and just say like hey you know i identify as someone that's non-technical that's yeah. in the space right yeah. and specifically even though i may not have tech skills per se as it relates to code i am technologically savvy and i'm aware of how the tech industry operates and i do have a zone of genius and excellence in these particular domains that are basically crucial for a technology company and i just really want to call that out because again, as I was making my transition, I read a lot of books, podcasts, things of that nature. And I just knew that for myself, that as someone that wanted to continue moving forward in the world of marketing, mm -hmm. how can I position myself as a unique candidate who is strong in the space of marketing and knows how to translate that into the world of technology? And I think that's something that I really want to call out. And again, non-technical, technical, tomatoes, tomatoes, but it's just something that I really want to call out so it's clear for everyone to see. The no-code aspect, that literally came during um, the pandemic. Gotcha. So prior, so prior to where I'm at now, I was at Spotify. Yes. And essentially during my time there, I was learning a lot about, hey, I don't know how to code, but what is something, an alternative that I can potentially look into? And I learned about no code, which is the whole concept of like building apps, websites, things of that nature, just off of visual development, drag and drop features, yeah. um, Boolean statements, if and or things of that nature. And I basically just dive deep into that space. And I just really enjoy building things from the ground up just off of like, you know, my creativity. Very nice. Very nice. So we can see that you have certainly hit the ground running. Uh, now, at a dose of black joy and caffeine, outside of music and obviously soul food and so many other things, one thing that brings so many of us joy is going on vacation. And I like to talk about it on this podcast because this is a reminder to my listeners to take your vacation days. But what was the last great vacation that you went on? So, the last, well, actually, I do have a vacation coming up for the birthday Woo! next month. 
I'm not gonna go in. I'm not going into the details of it because it's still in motion right now. Why, man? We trying to we trying to pull up. Don't don't deny don't deny my listeners that I got some (laughs) listeners right now trying to pull up. Man, come on. Nah, nah, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. But what I, I will say, what I will say, it wasn't my vacation. Okay. But you know, a close friend of mine recently got married last year. And um for his bachelor party, yeah. we all went out to Puerto Rico, San Juan. Nice. And it was it was it was a it was it was a great guy trip. There are so many like you know stories from that moment, but it was just good being a part of like you know the brotherhood, seeing you know one of my closest friends get married, and just like having a good time and good weather. Yeah, it was a trip that um I don't think I'm gonna forget. Yeah, absolutely. I love that word too that you kind of just even just use because I think as black men, brotherhood, the older that you get and the more years that you will start to have in this industry, I think that you will understand how important that is. Uh, what impact has brotherhood had on you in this industry of just interacting or even having uh, mentors that are black men in your career? I mean, it means everything to me, everything. There's a saying that goes in terms of, you know, you got to see it to believe it. And for me, I needed to see it to believe that I could be in this space. Back when I was still in school, I remember I had this class and essentially we had to present the types of roles that we wanted once we leave school. And for me, I always knew I wanted to be in this space. So what I did, I used to go on LinkedIn and just like, you know, search for the types of roles that I would want. And just so happened to find black men who had those roles. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to be like this guy. I want to be like that guy, you know? <laughs> um, so, so, so yeah, someone specifically, um, Rashad Drakeford, he was someone that I definitely admired from like the roles that he had, how he carried himself professionally. And he was someone that I definitely admired professionally and wanted to, you know, have similar roles to him. And once I was able to like, you know, enter the industry, individuals like yourself and other people within the ad color community and just people that I, I met through trial and error, you know, like guys like Cavell, people of that nature. Like I've just learned so much just from like watching how they move and just literally just being a student of the game. And I think for me, that sense of brotherhood means so much for me, whether it's like indirect or indirectly, I'm always learning from them and being able to take what they're doing and apply it to myself to be where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why you've been so successful to date is just, you know, you've always been um, eager to learn, really, really humble in your approach. But you've also been very quiet, which I like, you know what I mean? Because like you make moves um, and I think people don't realize it. Like, you know, you you're, you are a business beast out here uh, for sure. So I think that that's really, really awesome. Absolutely. You know, So a nerdy fact about me, because my guests come on here and share so much that I want to share something. I love going to other places and looking at currency. And most recently, they were going to have Harriet Tubman on the $30 bill. And I thought that that would do so much for culture. If we were to have a $45 bill, what Black figure would you say should be on that $45 American bill? $45 American bill. Ooh. Hmm. Honestly, I, going to the bank, I think, pulling it out. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I got I got to think about that one. But I will say that whoever that individual would be, I definitely think it should be an unsung hero that okay. doesn't get the spotlight that they deserve. Right. 
because we all know about when it's, you know, February comes around, it's the same narrative that we grew up with, right? But who are those individuals that really made a difference that people don't really sing their praises that often, right? Mm -hmm. So if I had to potentially select someone, personally, this might sound crazy, but like a guy that I used to admire a lot in high school, people may not know about him, but Stokely Carmichael. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stokely Carmichael, my man, oof. When he gives a talk, he evoked emotion. So to give yeah. you context, Please. in high school, I had um I took AP history, AP US history, right? And I had the most, he was smart. I had the most woke, woke black history teachers. <laughs> and when I say they class, I'm telling you, they were like, yeah, they were those guys, right? Yeah. And literally in class, they used to just like, you know, go on YouTube, put up like a speech, and we would listen to it. Right. And at that time, I was like, wow, like, I don't I don't know much about this guy, but like he definitely did something to me. Right. Yeah. So I feel as though like uh, someone like him that basically obviously did a lot as far as just like, you know, talking about black empowerment and bringing that to the surface. I think conversations like that are definitely needed. And he definitely played a part. Okay. There's other individuals that I would definitely say, too, from um, who else would I would say? I'm drawing blanks right now, but he was the first person that came to mind because I know like if I would have pulled out a $45 bill and I mm -hmm. see Stokely Carmichael on it, yeah, people turn their heads. Yeah, okay, <laughs> cool. We'll take that. We'll take that. We'll take that. Yeah, I've just always been wondering that because I was like, okay, I think Harry Tubman would be great. Um, I think, and like, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, definitely what in the recent news, you know, where we currently stand, but I also feel like Harry Belafonte would be- um, Well fitting. Yeah, I think Harry Belafonte would be great. Just immigrant story coming here, um, his vast career of like everything into politics. So um, that's someone else. I'm just like, we need we need that here because it's long overdue. Absolutely. And one, and one thing to speak on the Harry Belafonte part, like he did a, such a great job being like an activist humanitarian yeah. that people almost forgot that he was actually a musician. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know? musician, an actor, um, a comedian, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. I think everything falling into that. So that's what it's about. A renaissance man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think when you think about life that way, that's what makes life so exciting is that you don't allow anybody to put you in a box and you're never going to lose those old skills, but you'll start to realize different things that you want to do, you know, different seasons of, you know, okay, now I'm want to be focused on this. So it all, it all, it all, it all works out. Um, we talked a lot about business. I can sit up here and obviously talk about your career. You mentioned AP history, so we know you're smart. But let's get into passion projects. How do you, <laughs> how do you, um, how do you fuel your passion projects? Um, you know, being that your nine to five is so demanding, and you have so many other things. Do you do things outside of work that necessarily may not be so much related to like your day-to-day, um, you know, uh, professional career? So one thing that I've done a few years ago was I just changed my outlook on just like work in general, yeah. right? So obviously we all got nine to fives. We all got to do what we got to do in that respect. Yes. But I really challenged myself to actually learn, right, during my nine to five and tell myself like, hey, you know, if I actually had to teach this to someone, what would I actually teach them? What would the curriculum be, right? Mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic, obviously, there were a lot of people who were able to, who was fortunate enough to work from home. Others didn't have that luxury, right? And for me, I always thought to myself, like, hey, um, 
there was a there was a meme that was going around saying that skills pay the bills, right? And I said to myself, like, what skills am I learning from my day job that I can say with or without this job, I know I got that skill. Yes, you know, yes, I know I'm good it. because yeah. I can I can offer this skill set to the marketplace, right? Absolutely. And I can do whatever I choose to see, whatever I choose to do with that skill. So I say that to say that one thing that I really enjoy doing during my spare time is just being able to advise early stage startups. Uh, there's a lot hey. of people in my network that have startups and things of that nature. And for me, I feel like I've just acquired a lot of information over the years. And I feel like what's the point of knowing all this stuff if you can't share it with people or help people with it? Right. So that's one thing that I always do. Like, hey, if I'm learning something, right, how can I actually educate someone in my network and say, like, hey, you got a business? All right, cool. Well, here's what I would recommend you to do in regards to X, Y, Z, right? Here's how you can level up the right way. Obviously, you don't have to spend a lot of time buying books or courses. Yeah. If you could like basically, you know, have someone such as myself or other people who can advise you on the right way to approach things. So that's one thing I enjoy doing, you know, advising early stage startups. Outside of that, I'm always tinkering with different like productivity tools yeah. of ways in which I can level up. So um, not too long. Actually, this month makes a year since I started um, boxing. Oh, right? he got to it. And, uh, he got to it. <laughs> and, uh, Tell the people and, uh, at home it's, it's about been... it. So long story short, you know. Uh, this is I how you know movie. he's good at interviewing, right? For jobs, because he's just—he's not even letting me get to. All right, I got—I got all my little questions here. I'm just throwing out the interview. I'll just throw it out. Jeez, throw it out, I... throw it out. This—this this my interview now. I know. Hey, listen, co-host for next season. I mean, listen, I'm not playing, but no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, long story, long story short. Um, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie. Those Creed movies got to me. <laughs> Right, <laughs> it got to be. I ain't gonna lie, it, happened, it got to be. I'm in a movie theater. I'm like, oh shit, wow, okay, whoa. <laughs> and what's crazy is because like I followed his career because you know uh, he's from. He was raised in, in Newark, right? Uh, yeah. I was born in Newark, lived outside of it, so I'm really familiar with um his background. Mm -hmm. And from seeing him make that transition from like where he was to where he is now, I'm like, okay. Yeah. So the gym that I go to, I just so happened to meet a boxing coach. Nice. And had a conversation with him and pretty much he was down to like, you know, coach me. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing it consistently since nice. then. And I've been enjoying it. I feel like boxing has done so much for me in terms of just like my mental Absolutely. because it's a solo sport. I mean, these hands not registered yet, but they got action on it, you know? That's all I'm going to say. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, I mean, I guess um, going going into it, did you did you realize just how technical I guess it would be? Because that is it's pretty technical, huh? I can say that it's technical, but in terms of just like transitioning from like doing a sport like boxing to being in the marketing career, there's so many aspects to it. And for me, I'm treating the sport of boxing like. I'm a newbie. I'm a freshman all over again, right? Because nice, yeah. there's so many fundamental, foundational things you need to know to be able to like do all the cool things you probably see on social media, do, seeing boxers like Floyd Mayweather do crazy things with the bag. There's a fundamental level to that, right? Knowing your stance, knowing your guard, knowing yeah. how to move your head, all of that, right? And I feel like for me, as I continue to like learn, like, you know, the foundational steps, continue to level up and level up to be where I'm at right now. And I can definitely say that it's super cerebral. It's super cerebral because the best way I can describe the art of boxing 
It's mm-hmm. the whole concept of hitting without getting hit. That's essentially it, right? Yeah. It's kind of like playing chess with your body and being okay, strategic. I well, I don't know if I want to do that, but uh, yeah, okay. So. Right. <laughs> That's why it's a glad it's a it's a, it's a it's a gladiated thing. It's a gladiated yeah, thing. Like, yeah, hey, very true. you know, so it, it it definitely challenges you. It challenges you, and I, I I'm I'm and I'm enjoying the um, you know, the uh, the quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so, but it's, but I like the way that you put it because from that perspective, honestly, if you get hit, what I'm hearing from you is like, if you get hit, it's your fault because you, it's, it's like, it's your fault because you had the power to prevent it. If you understand tech, if you understand like the technical side of it, but it's so, um, that's fascinating. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Well said, well said, because to be hit, that must mean you put yourself in a position to be hit. Yes. Yeah. Period. And that could that could also have a lot of parallels to life in general. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, all right, man. I, I'm gonna text you. I'm gonna text you. I may I may sign up for the boxing course. So we'll see. Hey, man, we are gonna have a chat. Let's do it. That'll Let's do be it. that'll be great content. I'm pretty sure everyone will want to see that video of my first day. I'm gonna be in there. Have you ever seen that Steve Urkel episode when he's in the ring with the uh, red boxing thing on Family? Oh, oh man. Classic. Yeah. That's a classic. <laughs> That's going to be me, man. Um, but yeah, I think talking about your passions and like what you're doing is so great. So, um, you know, on this show, a lot of my audience not only ranges from mid-level individuals that are jumping into the C-suite to C-suite executives that are honestly trying to figure out, okay, what what is a dude talking about to entry-level individuals? And for those Entry-level individuals or even people that are in college, there's so much that's unknown about this industry. Can you talk about your first day working at Hypebeast? Yeah, for sure. I can talk about my first day working at Hypebeast, which was my first full-time role out of school. But prior to that, my first full-time, not full-time, my first role outside of school was working at a... um agency where Hmm. i did a rotational training program right and essentially it was a four-month program where after successful completion of the program Hmm. you're pretty much guaranteed a full-time job and the reason why i want to talk about that did i go into hypebeast is because that opportunity taught me so much and not from the textbook theoretical standpoint it taught me so much about life and being a person of color in this industry and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is that I was accepted. The cohort was about maybe 15, tw- less 15, tw- 20 at most, right? Mm-hmm. College grads, right? And majority of them did not look like me, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was between, it was, it was myself, one of my other um, peers who went to Rutgers University with me, mm-hmm. and then another black woman. It was just the three of us, right? Wow. wow. And we had a whole bunch of like, you know, other people from like, you know, upstate New York. Just not like me, right? Totally different yeah, atmosphere. Yeah. Um, being there was totally different. Obviously, you know how the way I carry myself, the way that I dress, totally different. I'm literally dressing business casual, business formal. Like it just wasn't my cup of tea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it just was it just taught me so much because obviously, as you know, first generation kid, the whole concept was to get good grades in school, graduate, get a job. Now that you have a job and you're like, damn, I don't fit in. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. This, 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 this here, this ain't it, right? <laughs> and it's like, it's like I'm clashing. Like I'm having internal fights with myself every day going there. You know, it's kind of like you're crying a little bit internally because you're like, damn, I don't want to go there. 
Yeah. And I say that to say because ultimately, you know, things didn't work out for me there, right? And when I really took time to reflect on it, I realized it's because I was chasing someone else's dream, not mine, Mm. right? I was trying my best to fit into a space that wasn't set up for me and wasn't meant for me, right? And it wasn't until I moved on from that opportunity and I really reflected on where I wanted to go, opportunities like Hypebeast came my way and I took it and I ran with it. And I can say that one of the major things that I learned in that role in terms of like wanting to be my best is that there's no rule books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no ebook, a guidebook that says like, hey, here are the best practices to doing phenomenal in your first job in corporate America. That does not exist. Yeah. At the time it did it, right? Yeah. Time yeah, did yeah, it, yeah. Right? yeah. I remember reaching and, out and to also, like, you know. Also, I mean, just to kind of piggyback on that, we're also in a time that a lot of those leaders are providing those gems in different ways. And you're, you're, you are a part of that. You are a part of that renaissance, even you being on this podcast. But when I think about Marcus Collins book or even uh, Bozema St. John's book, you know, The Urgent Life, they're talking about that marketing experience. So you bring up a good point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And for me, it was more so just trying to understand like, hey, you know, I'm grateful for this opportunity and I don't want to squander this opportunity. Mm-hmm. How can I ensure I do my best Level up, and I hate this phrase how people use it all the time be a rock star. Like, why are you a rock star? I don't like my music? You know, I hate that, right? It's a pet peeve yeah. of mine. I just had to say that, right? But be basically, just be like, as yeah, be a rapper, you know what I mean? Be a trap artist, I don't know, right? But be the best person, be yeah. the best individual that you can be, right? And be stellar, yeah. right? And for me, it was more so, unfortunately, trial and error because I had to learn as I went along. But I can definitely say that for me, I've learned so much through the ups and downs of my career that I feel like compelled just to share with people and kind of be like someone's unsolicited big brother and just give advice. Because for me, I'm the first person in my family pursuing career in this space, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like individuals like yourself and other people that I meet, I consider y'all big brothers and I just learn from y'all. And if I see people younger than me, I'm like, hey, big bro, like, watch out for those landmines over there. Like, yeah. hey, I would advise you not to do that over there. Oh, yeah. you work there now? Be on the lookout for X, Y, Z. Because yeah. these are the things that I wish that I knew when I was their age to be able to, like, make the right plans and be strategic in these opportunities mm-hmm. to avoid these landmines that are very possible to avoid if someone just counseled you the right way. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. And I mean, I know that you have had to navigate a lot, a lot that is probably unseen that it, it mm-hmm. you couldn't even you can even probably explain because unfortunately you have to experience it. So I get it. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, unfortunately, sometimes not sometimes, mostly all the times you have to look at things with two lenses, right? Mm-hmm. You have to see things for what they are. And you also have to see things from your perspective as well. Right. So when it comes to me working at the companies that I work for, right? I see how things operate. I see how people move and things of that nature. But then let me put my my personal, cultural, Black man in America, first generation lens on it and see things for what they are and be like, oh, 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 I see it. <laughs> Copy, you know? Copy. Now I know how to move. Now I know what direction I need to, you know, conduct myself in. Right. Not the, <laughs> the three O's. I know. No, I'm laughing at the fucking talkie copy. Like I got that copy. Yeah. 
man, was hilarious. So look, bro, we are halfway through the year, man. And I, I've always loved your POV, your perspective, because I know, you know, you're deep in the research and you, you look at all these things. Outside, and I know I'm going to put you on the spot with this one, so bear with me, but outside of AI, which I think could be the go-to, are there any additional trends, um, you know, this year, whether that's in tech, social media, marketing, business, or even just different, you know, things that are frequent that you're kind of coming across um, that you're finding fascinating or interesting? I mean, since we're not going to talk about the AI front, right, I feel as though right now, I think it's more so, well, semi-AI, but more so just technology at large, it's just like automation, mm -hmm. right? Automation in the sense of obviously leaders of companies, the big wigs are thinking to themselves like, hey, how can I cut down costs, right? How can I implement some sort of technology, some sort of tech stack that can replace individuals, right? And do the job at a high rate that can eliminate human error, right? Yeah. And these are some of the things that I'm seeing. Obviously, in the industry, you probably know already, a whole bunch of layoffs happening. Companies were hiring crazy during the pandemic and whatnot, prior to the pandemic. And then now they're trying to like reset, cut down on employees, things of that nature. So yep. stuff like that, you got to be mindful of. And I'd probably just say overall, like individuals such as yourself who are professionals, but also are basically posi positioning themselves into creators. I can say that's probably one of the biggest things I've been seeing right now, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I feel like back in the day, and I'm saying back in the day, like I'm old, like my old head. No, I mean, but no, essentially you, like- Yeah, listen, you got some, okay? You got some years, you could call it. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, got, I got some years on me. But yeah. I feel like back back then, it was like, it was like separation of church and state. For if sure. I am right. a full-time professional, I can't dabble in anything on the side or make that a part of my identity because I fear what my employer may think of me or say like, Hey, you're not fully committed to the job because I see you doing a podcast. I see you doing this, that, and a third. Whereas now I'm seeing a lot of leaders at companies are pretty much praising people for having interests outside of their main profession. Like, Hey, do you run a podcast outside of your job? Are you an artist? Are you a photographer? If so, amazing. We want to see more of that. We want yeah. to see you being well-rounded because the well-rounded professional brings more to the job than someone that's one-dimensional, right? Yeah. To be in this space of marketing, creative technology, a lot of the work that we do is influenced by the world that we see, right? So if I'm not someone that's worldly, for lack of a better term, right? How can I leverage my ecosystem, my world into the work that I do, right? Yeah. Because I'll have such a binary view of things yeah absolutely i agree i agree i think that that hopefully is it and that's also the reason why I've, i have personally been like that uh my entire career but i can tell you from experience of um places that i've been that it has um been more accepted the older i have gotten in my career um you know i mean i started off what when i was 21 um, even like 18, but then, you know, I was still doing things, whether that was art shows and that would leak into the agency life when I was in advertising. And then, you know, something would be said, or even when I, you know, was writing books, it was the same way, you know, to where I'm releasing books, but I'm still doing my nine to five. And then before I know, it's like, hey, you got to come into the office. But I think that um, I have been consistent 
with that because um, I think I, I encourage it and I feel like it's important. And also too, I think it gives you more separation, you know, to the things that you're doing. So listen, we reached the end of the show, but before you get out of here, I always ask our guests this question. You know, so much of your foundation and I think what you built your career on has truly led you to the path that you're on right now. But if you could rebuild your foundation today for the next five to 10 years, whether that's in marketing or just in life in general, and I gave you three building blocks, what one word would you put on each one of those building blocks to build your foundation for your path moving forward? Such a phenomenal question. That's an amazing question. So one word that I can use as my building block for the next almost five to 10 years? You get three words. You're using those three building words. blocks and you're, you're just stacking them on top of each other, but three words. Okay, so I'm going to choose three random words. Okay. okay. Um, and I already mentioned one of them, right? So the first one I'm going to mention is purpose. Purpose, right? Yep. Mentioned that in the beginning, and I'm, I want to continue on that path. Fulfillment. And lastly, faith. Nice. Faith. And, I, and, I, and, and the reason for those three words is because, you know, when you asked me the question earlier about like how I started out in my career and things of that nature, these three words are words that I would constantly think about as far as like, hey, I'm not where I want to be but I know I can get there. Yeah. What's going to hold me down until I make that dream a reality. And for me, it was having a purpose, understanding like why I'm here. Why am I going through what I'm going through right now? What is the lesson I need to learn in this phase of my life? And how can I take the time in this season of my life to learn that and be able to amplify that to get to where I want to go to the faith, because Face it, sometimes you're going to have people that's not in your corner. That's not going to support Absolutely. you. That's yeah. not going to be your biggest advocate. And unfortunately, it might be even your own family, right? So if that's the case, right, you need to have that dog in you, right, yeah. to yeah. motivate you. They say like, hey, you know, it's not about how many times I fall. It's about how many times I get up. Yeah. And that for me is what I really, uh, really advocate for a lot of people to really have that mentality to say like, hey, you know, it's not a glass half empty is a glass half full mentality yeah. and lastly fulfillment because again you know tomorrow isn't promised we don't know what's going to happen but we want to say like hey during my time here i made the most out of my time i made the most out of my life and i'm living life with no regrets there's a book that i did not read but i love you know going on youtube and reaching like reading like summaries of books and whatnot and basically there was this concept of like dying empty which basically means like um, when your time is up, you have no regrets, right? There's a saying that says about like, hey, the richest place on the earth is a cemetery because there lies the dreams, the hopes of people who had books, ideas, movie scripts, businesses that they never started. And unfortunately, those ideas died with them, right? So for me, my mentality is like, hey, I don't know how long I'll be here, but while I'm here, all ideas that I have that's in this brain I want to put it out there. All of my interests, I want to explore them because by the time my time is up, I want to say like, hey, I have no regrets. I did what I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, listen, that time is no time soon. So, I mean, we look forward to 
seeing what you're doing. I look forward to it. I mean, you know, just off record, off mic podcast, um, you know, I've always valued you value you as um, a friend, a brother. I think what you're doing, I know we've had some some funny conversations and we've had some hard conversations, you know what I mean? But um, what's I think admirable about you now at this stage of your career, it's great to see you progress, but also still like reaching back, which is I think phenomenal. So I appreciate it. For the people listening at home, what's the best way that they can stay in contact with you? Uh, the best way to reach out to me these days, I'd say is honestly LinkedIn. That'll probably be the best platform to reach out to me. I got a website that I'm working on right now in progress. Literally, it's my name, wadness.co. So be on the lookout for that. You'll probably see me promoted on LinkedIn in the coming weeks. But other than that, LinkedIn is where I'm at. Nice. Any final words before you get out of here? Season six of A Dose of Black Joy. Final words, I'd probably just say this. Believe it, you can achieve it, control what you can control, and turn your dreams into reality simply because you can. Simply because you can. And there you have it. Thank you for joining us. And also, thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, stay safe, drink a ton of water, and remember that you deserve a dose of Black joy and caffeine. Until next time, I am Adu.